Hey girl, welcome to the latest episode of Girl.Live, a brew of chats just between us girls, mixed in with stories and experiences we've never told before. Baby, this that tea from Concentrating, a show where the juiciest conversations start with, girl, it's fresh, it's raw, it is hilarious, bitch, this is Girl.Live. Hey girl, and welcome back to an Ani episode of Girl.Live. This week, I'm in the driver's seat solo. It's just me by myself, uh, and I'm so excited to bring you guys an episode that's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be very honest. Uh, I think that for most people, Girl.Live has become this show that is like, girl, the scandal, the tea, it's juicy, it's funny, it's in your face, mixed with like concentrated you know tea and f-bombs and it's hilarious to a lot of people and i love that 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 is what this show has become to uh most of my audience and i'm proud that you guys find entertainment from my show but this evening actually is it evening it's evening for me is it afternoon for you morning girl where are you going what are you doing what time is i'm curious to know when do you listen to my show like what are you doing right now are you cooking is there badass kids in the background just jumping around everywhere are you getting ready for bed doing your skincare are you driving to work i'm assuming that most people listening to the show driving to and from work because that's probably what i would do but what time is it what are you doing where are you going girl what are you wearing um (laughs) what is the tea anyway so this episode will be uh uh, probably a pivot to what most of my episodes have been, uh, simply because I've been planning a couple of episodes. This episode was not planned, uh, but I've been planning a couple of episodes that are a little bit more, what's the word, less scandalous and a little bit more self-help, if that makes sense. And I've been planning these episodes. I, I was just kind of curious how to make that segue from talking about closeted tea and dating your boss and sleeping with, you know, XYZ to today's episode. But hey, here we are. Uh, And I'm just going to dive right in. I'm just going to get started. Uh, Before I do so, I have to give a couple of disclaimers. Um, I definitely want to let you know that in this episode, um, you will notice that I stutter a little bit more. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, I'm a person who stutters. I'm a stutterer. Um, and I've always been a stutterer. I've always been someone that stutters. If you've ever met me in person, you will have noticed it in person. Maybe it was a little bit. Maybe it was a lot. But the reality of it is that it's actually a lot. My stutter is actually very, 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 very prominent. That was not a stutter. Um, my stutter is very prominent. I've just learned how to... Um, manipulate it in some sense and I normally talk in a higher inflection my voice is normally a lot more higher and nasally uh and you'll notice that this episode my pitch my range in my voice sounds a little bit lower this is how I really talk but normally to be able to get through a sentence or an episode my voice is just a lot higher it's a trick that I've come up with anyways um because of the topics that I will be talking about today um, they're so real that I know I'm going to stutter because when I am fa- like my closest friends and maybe not even all of my friends, 
just gonna be like a couple of my friends and my immediate family they're the only ones that ever hear me completely fully stutter all the way so I'm trying to pace myself because in a couple of sentences I need to stop um, hiding it we are starting so let's go so um, this is my real voice and I'm going to also give a disclaimer that some of the things that I'm going to talk about some of the things that I'm going to talk about um, I want to give like a trigger warning because they are very real and I don't want someone to be listening to this and be like okay he could have given me a trigger warning um, I'm just going to be very explicit in detail as much as I can uh, in the sake that this will help someone I I I think that at the end of the day, if someone can listen to this and someone can in turn process their emotions, if someone can heal from this, if someone can grow from this, then that means the world to me. Even if it's just me healing from this episode. So, three years ago, again, I've never spoken about this before. Three years ago, I deleted my social media and I went off the grid for a few months. And back then, um, I was exiting a career as an executive for Bare Minerals, the makeup brand. And I was in a point of transition going into a brand new career in a whole entirely new field. And I was just frustrated with my life because I didn't know where I was going. And let's be honest, I'm 30 years old. And the fact that I was 27, the societal pressures of having to, having to, having to have life all figured out, I think to me, had taken a toll on me. And I deleted my social media because I went through something and something had happened to me and up until last week only but maybe five people other than my family knew what had happened to me and three years ago I was assaulted physically and sexually coming home um yeah it was such oh my god I'm already getting emotional what is wrong with me um, it was such a traumatic experience because I've it's something that till this day is hard to forget um, I've processed it I've began the healing process long ago but the memories and the recollections are still I still have dreams every once in a while I was coming home from a night out with friends and I had left um, the venue that we were at and I had gotten on an Uber and I had had a great conversation with my Uber driver we were talking about God knows what I get to my apartments and he drops me off feet away from my front door just feet away from my front door and I was chit-chatting with him I get off the car, and as I'm walking, I'm not good at measurements, girl, maybe like 40 feet. 
as I'm walking 40 feet, 50 feet to my door, I notice that on the other side of um, maybe like 200 feet away, there is a gentleman, um, a younger guy, and he's walking my way. And at that moment, I thought that he was maybe walking his dog. I didn't really like look at him or get a good glimpse of him. I just saw someone in a hoodie and they were outside and they were walking towards me and my apartments are very, very, very low key, very quiet, very hush hush. And I was walking again towards my front door and as a guy got closer, he leaned away and I thought he was clearing the way so I could walk through the sidewalk. I thought maybe like he doesn't want to be rude. Like maybe he thinks that I'm drunk and like he doesn't want to like get in my way. But then I realized that when he stepped back out of the sidewalk, it was him cocking his hand to hit me. Um, the guy quickly hit me. Um, he was aggressive. I fell to the floor. I tried to like run away, like turn away. Um, I think that it's been such a hard time for me talking about this because I was drunk. I was not in a full state of mind. And I have taken responsibility for that. But I think that a part of me internalized it as it was my fault for getting drunk and coming home. And if I wouldn't have been drunk, this would have never happened. And I've I've had guilt about that. Um, long story short, the guy just like buried my head into the ground, into the gravel, into the dirt. And he just beat me and I thought about fighting back I tried to fight back um, I tried scratching him I tried pushing him off I kicked him um, I started punching him I thought about fighting him off but I think that a part of me had already told myself you're probably going to die here and I thought no straight man, I'm assuming that he was straight, I don't know. Um, no straight man is going to let a faggot beat him. And this is it. Um, he physically assaulted me, and then that led to him sexually assaulting me. I never thought that I would say that out loud. Um, one of the more haunting memories of that night is that he told me that he would be running away and that if I screamed or yelled or if I turned back to fight him that he would kill me and um, I waited until I could no longer hear his footsteps and I just started yelling 
and one of the more scary memories and more embarrassing memories of that is that um, neighbors eventually heard me came out and my brother my little brother at the time was living with me and he found me on the floor with my pants down and that's I think adds to the guilt and the shame of it being my fault or some way it me internalizing that I I can't believe I'm saying this that I asked for it and I know that that's Ill, like irrational that's illogical but for a long time I blamed myself for it I blamed my actions I blamed being drunk that night um I it, it, it's it's I mean it's it's obvious that it took a toll on me I deleted my social media I didn't tell anyone what happened I was I was ashamed I was embarrassed um and that shame um I was taken. I was taken taken to the hospital. I denied. I denied um, medical help. Um, I didn't want it. I felt. I just wanted to go home and not wake up. My brother was living with me, and I'm so grateful that he was. My parents started coming over every day just to check on me because they knew that I wasn't okay. And that shame just manifested itself into so much more. And within 24 to 48 hours of being home, that shame and that hurt manifested itself into personal disgust. And I, there was many nights where I would it would be three, four in the morning and I would be in the shower and I would take one to two hour showers because I didn't feel, feel clean enough. I felt like I could still hear that person. I could still feel that person. I could still smell him. And I felt disgusting. I, it brought me back to a place in my life that was all too familiar um, I only told a handful of people um, I reached out to maybe like a handful of people via text message and emails and they prayed for me and they came to see me and the people that I had those heartfelt conversations, if you're listening, I greatly appreciate you because you don't know how much that helped me and carried me through. It took me a few months to be able to assimilate normal life. At this point, I had started a new career, an entirely new industry, and I was hiding the fact that I was navigating and roaming through life with the sense of personal disgust. I just felt, I can't explain it. Um, I had a hard time sleeping. 
I had a hard time. I was like very jittery. If someone would like a friend would come up to me and talk to me and hug me, I just didn't. I still to this day, I've never really been a personal contact person unless I initiate it. But even more than someone would touch me, I would just feel really gross, really disgusting. And um, randomly, I get the call to um, be a part of a event with Morphe and Bretman Rock. And I'll never forget leading up to the event, um, getting ready to meet with the Morphe team and meet with Bretman and his team and all that great stuff. I had not worn full makeup in a long time since the assault. And I think we were meeting with the Morphe team on a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. That Tuesday, the thought of putting makeup on and a lash and lipstick became something that was really daunting. I know this doesn't make sense, but but I but I think that a part of me as a gay male I, I, I don't know if this makes sense. I think that a part of me as a gay male the night that I was a soul the 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 night that I was assaulted I was wearing makeup and some of the things that the person that assaulted me said um, were obviously like homophobic and I think that the internalize of, well, that's what you get for being drunk and wearing makeup and being so gay. Now here I was about to meet with the Morphe team and work at this huge event with Bretman Rock. And now I had to wear makeup and I hadn't really worn makeup like that. And I realized that the healing wasn't done. How could it have been? It was. It had just been a couple of months. Here we were in March and the thought of putting makeup on was sending me like into like a tailspin. Um, the night before I met with the Morphe team, I had a terrible panic attack. I think that I had been hiding the fact that I wasn't mentally okay. And the night before I meet with the Morphe team, I, had a, I have a terrible panic attack. It turns into an entire episode and I just lose it. And I remember being home and for the first time um, in my life, and again, I'm, I apologize for being this honest and it's, it's a trigger warning, for the first time in my life, um, I cut myself so deeply that um, it was just a gash. And I just wanted to end things. A part of me just wanted to just go again, go to sleep and never wake up. And my brother and his wife came and they were 
there with me. They found what had happened and they prayed for me. My parents came over, they prayed for me. And I, I remember my parents asking, why would you do this to yourself? Why would you hurt yourself? And I didn't make sense. And it still is just so crazy to me. But the hurt inside was so great that I just wanted to feel the physical pain. That way it made sense what was hurting inside. That way what was hurting inside made sense and was valid. And I didn't want to wake up. And I'm saying that because I don't want to sound morbid, um, but you can fill in the blanks. I did not want to wake up. I wanted to go to sleep and never wake up again because I just felt disgusting. And I remember crying, telling my parents, like, I've been lying. I'm not okay. How am I supposed to be okay? And I've been going through life lying to you guys, lying to everyone that I'm okay, but I'm tired of lying to myself. I feel disgusting. My family suggested that I not go to the Morphe event. Um, I still have pictures of the day that we met with the Morphe team. And in the pictures, I'm wearing a long button-down shirt, a blazer. I'm so dressed up. And the real reason was because I was hiding that I had a humongous gash on my arm. Um, we do the event. And a few weeks later, a couple of weeks later, I had been talking to someone that I had met. And a couple of weeks later, I go on a date with this individual. And lo and behold, we start dating. And this is who is now my ex-boyfriend. He didn't know, obviously, anything. I met him maybe two weeks after the Bretman Rock event and after hurting myself. And I want to be very conscious of what I'm about to say because I don't want to, I don't want it to come across as bitter or angry, but I realize the last few months of healing from different things I realize that when I met him my ex-boyfriend I so desperately needed to heal and when I met him I thought I felt something that was different I felt the way he looked at me the way he talked to me the way that he made me feel was so night and day from what what I what I what I had been feeling for months and I didn't want that to end. Um we went on a few more dates, we started dating and it was hard at first. I the first time we ever tried to be romantic with each other, I remember I couldn't. I physically could not, and I will never forget that day after a date coming back to my house and things heating up and me saying, I can't, I, I, I just 
cat and he understood I told him the why I told him what I had been through and he tried to help me come to terms with things at my own pace it was weird for me to be affectionate at first it was uh, weird for me to be body uh, conscious or like be uh, have a sense of body positivity because my weight had always been an issue and I think that I need to address that that my weight has always been an issue for me my weight has always been a bitter topic that I refuse to talk about and I know that I've made episodes on the show talking about body positivity and I stand by that I stand by being a confident person but I think that one of the things that I've never been able to fully put a grasp on is my weight and I think that my feelings and my my unhappiness with my body was amplified by the assaults that I went through and the assaults just amplified it to a point of I mean, there's, there's, there was no help. I felt disgust. If I felt disgusting before, the assaults just made me hate and loathe my body. I couldn't look at myself naked. I couldn't look at myself in revealing clothing. I couldn't look at myself that way, and it was just so disgusting to me. Um, being intimate with this person now was hard because I was allowing myself to be vulnerable and my mind was still fight or flight. Taking off my clothes and being intimate with someone was still hard because to me it was like, well, no, 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 no. What are you doing? Don't do this. Like, what if he hurts you? What if he... And it was such a hard conversation to have and navigate my sexual life and my sexuality and my acceptance of my body and my body image after going through physical and sexual assault and being overweight. Somehow we managed and I was able to have a fulfilling relationship with this person. Obviously me and him are no longer together it lasted about two and a half years all together and I'm grateful for all of it um a few months ago I was talking to him and we had already broken up we were still friends trying to figure out where we were going next and what we were doing next and one night um, we were hanging out he came over and we were talking I'm a I'm someone that cooks it was like 2 a.m. 3 a.m. and I was in my kitchen making like a pot of beans bitch because she always gotta have some beans I was making some beans and I was in the kitchen and I was talking about a subject and I was just venting 
and I am grateful for if there's one thing that I'm grateful for um, when it comes to my ex-boyfriend is that when times were good they were good and that when times were good I'm grateful for what he made me feel I think that what he made me feel was in and of itself healing to me Um, but for some weird reason that I would never be able to explain, he had a wonderful gift. And his gift was that every time that we were to be, we were, we were to be together, I would just talk and I would talk about things that I experienced in my past or as a child and I would talk about those darkest things that you think you'll take to the grave. And he had a gift of allowing me and giving me the space to speak and just let these thoughts run. And it was so liberating. He had a gift that helped me feel liberated. And one night, again, she's making her little bees. Um... I was talking about, and I'm going to dance around this, and I apologize, I just need to protect people's privacy in my own. But I was talking about a certain topic, and he says, my ex-boyfriend says, well, you seem a little mad about it. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not mad, I'm not upset, I'm just, you know, I'm just bothered. And he was like, okay, well, you know, you seem a little mad. And I kept telling myself, like, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I just need to say what I have to say about this topic and these situations that I've been going through in my personal life with certain people. I'm not mad. And the more that I kept talking, the more that this sinking feeling came over me. And I remember chopping up onions. If you don't put onions in your beans, girl, what are you doing? I remember chopping up onions and I'll never forget what happened next. In an instant, like a semi-truck just hit me, I had a panic attack. And in that moment, I was able to utter the words that I never thought that I would ever say. And I remembered something that happened to me as a child. And it's something that I had erased from my mind. It's something that if you would have asked me years ago to talk about this topic, I would have taken it to my grave. And in that moment, it's 3 a.m. on a Monday. Life just unearthed itself and these memories, these vivid memories of smells and sights and feelings hit me like a semi-truck. And I didn't know how to hold them. They were bigger than me. And I let it out. And for about two hours, I just spoke. And I talked about the explicit details of what I went through. 
and I talked about the memories that will probably forever be seared in my mind. And I, at 3 a.m. that day, I finally gave those memories breath because the child that once was couldn't turn to anyone, couldn't get help from anyone. And that child was left with no other option than to bury his emotions, to bury his feelings. Because what I went through, I knew would never be validated. And fast forward, I'm 30 years old. I'm making a pot of bomb-ass beans. And life just unearthed itself. I spoke candidly and openly and I told him everything that I had been through, the specific scenario. And I cannot go into full detail, but I will say that it took me 30 years to say that what I went through was abuse. And that what I went through was neglect. And I've been, I had been living life my entire life not putting a word to it. Because I told myself that I had to forget. And before I could even come into who I was, I had been robbed of my innocence. I had been robbed of my peace. And... Here I was at the age of 30 finally saying what I went through was not okay. And the the gift that that was to myself, I think that if you take anything from this episode, I, one of the things that I want you to take away is that it's not how late you come to the game or how late it's not it's not about how late you realize things and how late you're able to heal i think that healing healing knows no age and addressing certain topics and traumas in your life knows no age i'm grateful that even if at my age of 30 or if someone else at the age of 50 60 70 i think the most important thing is not when you heal but that you heal again the important thing is not when you heal it's that you heal it's if you heal and i realize that i cannot explain it i cannot explain to you this moment i realize that for years i had suppressed memories vivid memories years worth of memories I had suppressed them and it's interesting to me how the, it's interesting to me how 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 the how the mind works that I didn't even have a recollection of these memories and here I was 
finally at the age of 30 being able to say what I this is what I went through and it was not okay and I refuse to accept the fact that it was okay and that night was probably one of the nights I'll never forget in my life because that set a snowball effect of what was to come. I was in shock for a few weeks. Even still thinking about it now, I'm still in shock. I was emotionally numb. It felt like they had told me that someone had died. Um, I woke up the next day feeling like I had watched the scariest movie on earth. And um, the next few months, I mean, even now, have been so twisted and mind-bending because I realized that now here I was as a 30-year-old with these fresh, raw, real-life emotions that no longer belonged to me. They belonged to that child that was never able to heal. And I was, I woke up and they, these feelings were on my lap. They, these feelings were on my chest. These feelings had me by the throat. And it was an interesting experience. And it still is an interesting experience knowing that I have to give that child, what that child went through, I have to give that child, like I have to validate what he went through. I have to give that child validity I have to give those emotions breath because they deserve it and that child that I once was deserved to be heard but I also realize that those emotions are no longer mine and navigating that and processing that has been really difficult extremely difficult um, the weeks that followed, I would wake up from nightmares, nightmares that I, I was right back in the exact same scenario and situation of when I was a child. I would wake up smelling certain smells and feeling certain things because it was all too real. Like I had a open Pandora's box and I couldn't close it back up. took a lot of um, soul searching because I thought I was losing my mind for a second. And I told myself I have to, I've always thought of myself as an emotionally intelligent person, but I think that this is where emotional intelligence comes into play, that I need to find peace. So I started talking. I... Um, called my friends Linda and Carlos and I told them everything explicit detail and that was I think the second time that I had spoken about it out loud and I cried and every time that I said something I felt like I was releasing the hurt and I, I remember telling them, and we were all on FaceTime, and 
them having to like leave their like walk away from their phones and I can see that them being in physical shock I could see them being in um disbelief and I can just see them just bawling crying because I wanted to be explicit I wanted to go into details about what I went through because I know that I'll probably never be able to publicly speak about it but at least them knowing I felt that the child inside of me deserved to speak to someone and let them know fully what it was um i had those conversations with my friend megan i had this conversation with my brother and his wife and then i had this conversation with laura and i think that every time i spoke about it things just started clicking and I think one of the things that I realized is that my entire life I felt like there was a puzzle, a piece of the puzzle missing. And I feel like now unearthing and discovering this trauma, that was the piece of the puzzle that was missing. And I tried to stay creative. I started to meditate and pray. I started reading. I've always been someone I know this might say, this be a little controversial for someone, but I've always been someone that does guided meditation. And I've, for the last few years, I've done self-hypnosis. It's something that works for me. I'm not here to preach about it to you, but it's something that works for me. I started doing aromatherapy. I started trying to seek goodness throughout my day. And I realized that the the arcing theme of it all is that my innocence and my peace was robbed as a child and now as a 30 year old man it was my job to find things that brought me peace people places things objects whatever the case might be if it brought me peace i just wanted to surround myself with it um it's been difficult like it's been every day like i unearth a new piece of my memories and a little bit more makes sense but now i realize that one of the reasons why i was always overweight was because after experiencing all the hurt and experiencing the abuse that i went through i think that somewhere along the line my mind made I made up my mind that I would purposely gain weight so no one would ever be attracted to me. And as a child and as a teenager, I was severely overweight because I didn't want anyone to look at me. I felt disgusting. And then what happened three years ago, I think, amplified this total disgust in mind body spirit and it's crazy to me that even like three years ago when i was assaulted that those memories didn't come back um because again they were so girl 
I literally had erased those memories from my mind. And here I was, here I am now, realizing that so many things in my life have made sense. The things that I have allowed in my life have made sense. Um, I got a tattoo a couple of weeks ago. And I got two of them actually, but one of them is a birdcage with the door open and it's on my left, um, like on my thigh, like above my knee. And it's a birdcage with the door open. You guys will see it on Instagram. And the reason why I got that tattoo is because um, it's a reminder for me, a daily, re a daily reminder that... Um, the importance of letting things go when they no longer belong to you. And that might be people, places, emotions, memories, friendships, relationships, letting things go when they no longer belong to you. Um, and that was the hard thing for me and it's been the hard thing for me is letting go of those memories and those emotions that yes they are valid and I do need to give them breath but I'm no longer that person and I don't cons I don't want to be just another victim I, I I survived it I survived and it's a reminder this tattoo it's a reminder to let those things go when they no longer belong to you and I realize that these this hurt no longer belongs to me. It's okay to process it, but it's no longer mine. And the tattoo also, to me, symbolizes the fact that it's okay that sometimes you will outgrow things and things will outgrow you. Um, and the importance of setting them free when they outgrow you. Whether, again, it's people, places, things, relationships, friends, anything like that. I think the hardest thing for me in processing things is um, processing the idea of love. And this has been a game changer for me because I realize that people that hurt me or put me in harm's way were people that loved me and their job was to take care of me and they failed me. But nonetheless, that child adopted the idea that love came with hurt. And I think that far too often we adapt and adopt these ideas that to be loved, you will be hurt. And that's what I grew up with. That's what I manifested. And that hurt manifested itself in the idea that I didn't want to be loved by people. I didn't want to be loved by someone. And I made myself gain weight. I made myself physically what I thought was disgusting because I didn't want anyone to look at me. I didn't want anyone to be sexually attracted to me. I didn't want anyone to fall in love with me. I created a buffer and my buffer was my weight. Um, as a child, I had I had a, I had an eating disorder. Um, it was just I 
life makes sense now. So many things in my life just make sense. And another thing, it's like even when it comes to my ex-boyfriend or any relationship that I've ever been in, I real I now realize why I have allowed things in my life to happen. Whether it's friends that take advantage of me, whether it's friends that speak ill about me or talk about me and I let it go on for months and months and months and months and months. Then I ask myself, why do you allow these things? Why do you allow people that occupy a space in your life to be hurtful to you? Or to why do you have a problem addressing them head on and saying, hey, that's not okay. Hey, as a friend, you shouldn't be doing that to me. You shouldn't be treating me like that. You shouldn't be disrespecting me like that. Why is it so hard for me to say that? And I realized that the reason is that I always accepted love with a disclaimer of, well, yeah, this friend or this boyfriend, they love you, but hurt is part of the package and deceit is part of the package and lies are part of the package and I think at now at the age of 30 I'm at a point in my life where I'm done accepting love with disclaimers again love should have no disclaimer love should have no disclaimer and I realized that I allowed people to come into my life and abuse my time, my energy, my space, my money. I allowed people to abuse of me because as long as they told me that they loved me, I could find a way to see beyond that. I allowed friends to take advantage of me because as long as they told me that they loved me and they cared about me, I could look the other way. And how many times do we teach our kids that like how many times do we teach our children that our little girls or boys that when someone likes them that they're going to be mean to them that when a little boy likes a little girl he's going to pick on her and bully her that's not okay that's not okay and far too often it's the little things that we implant into children it's the little things that we accept those little seedlings of hurt those little seedlings of lies those little seedlings of deceit that grow and manifest themselves and before we know it we accept it as normal we accept it as okay and i think because of the point in my life where i am i'm so grateful that i unearthed and relived this memory my life has been I feel like I've been born again. I feel like I have the rest of my life ahead of me now. I feel like for the first time in my life, I have clarity. Like for the first time in a very long time, I have peace. And I realize that it's my job to maintain my peace. That no one should be able to steal that from me, to take it from me, to rob me of my peace. I think reconciling people that were and people that are now who they are and reconciling people in my life 
and my aggressors. One of the more healing conversations that I've had with myself and that I've come to understand is that I realize that hurt people hurt people. And if you know me, you know that I've been preaching that for a while now. And now it's all too real. I realize that hurt people hurt people and damage people damage people. And I was collateral damage. But I want to be more than just that. And now that I've said it, now that I've relived and said what I went through, I want to be more than just a victim. I want to be more than someone that went through something. Because I don't want to imagine coming this far just to come this far. I want to be more than what I have been. And I want to continue to grow into someone that is fully healed and manifested in who I'm supposed to be. But I realize that I would have never been able to do so had I not have relived and unearthed these memories. The crazy thing is that I... If I asked myself if I could change anything in my life, I probably wouldn't change any of it. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but I mean that. I wouldn't change anything. Because I know that I'm on the right path and I trust and believe that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um... My life lately has been about healing and my daily schedule consists of waking up, practicing some aromatherapy, praying for about 30 minutes, meditating for about 30 minutes. I have been reading and diving into books. I have been researching different topics. I have been trying to find myself, my authentic self, myself without the disclaimers, without the wounds, without the hurt. And it feels, I feel like a brand new person. It's just, again, this isn't the episode that I thought I would be making today. This was not planned, but I just needed to speak and talk about what I've been going through and the importance of healing, whether what whether your trauma your past trauma is small or great or whatever the case might be the importance of pushing forward and realizing that regardless of what you've been through you still have purpose and what you went through one of the things that I have to say is that what I went through as a child unknowingly I blamed myself for that I blamed myself for what I went through and I realized that it was not my fault. The only job I had was to be a child. And yeah. I think in sharing this, 
I'm obviously bringing this up because I posted something about a week ago on my social media that the bigger elephant in the room, no, no pun intended, has been my weight. Now that I have finally unearthed everything that I have ever needed to address and unearth and talk about and face, I realize that it feels like my weight is just left over in the middle of nowhere. Like I realize that I'm assembling who I am now, focusing on mind, body, and spirit. And I'm focusing on find, finding a, a higher sense of self, finding a higher calling in who I'm meant to be. And I realize that as I'm at the drawing board and I'm putting the pieces together of who Abraham is, one thing that is just extra and that doesn't belong is my weight. Um, and having those conversations with myself and with friends have been pretty difficult and embarrassing to have that I realize that my weight, a larger portion of my weight, if not all of my weight, is a byproduct of hurt. And if I'm on a road to healing, and if I'm on a road to manifesting who I'm supposed to be, that I have to leave that behind. And trust me when I tell you that there has been a lot that I have left behind this couple of months. Whether it's people, whether it's relationships, whether it's day-to-day -day things, I have left so much behind because I want to be a new person and I want to run with the blessing that life has given me to start all over again and to leave the hurt behind. So naturally, my weight was an issue that I had to address. And last week or so, I posted an Instagram post finally talking about my weight and I'm so blessed to have friends that are supportive um, including my friend Laura who on Instagram is saying no to fries and I did something that I had been putting off for years now is that I weighed myself and I think that me being so open and vocal is for ac accountability purposes but also because I want to share this process with everyone or if someone is going through the same thing or if you find any of what I've mentioned to be relatable or something that pertains to you I want to be honest so I weighed myself and my starting weight which I think is still I'm still getting used to losing the embarrassment because when I weighed myself I was utterly ashamed I was again disgusted I was embarrassed but I had to share it with my friend Laura. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to post it on social media. My starting weight is 284 pounds. And it's crazy and embarrassing saying that because years ago, I lost about 100 pounds and I had gotten down to uh, 185 pounds. Meaning that in, this, in these few years, I gained 100 pounds. And I realize now that it was my coping mechanism or better yet, because I didn't want to cope, that was my mechanism of gaining weight. Um, so that is where I am. It's been a week 
again before this epi- this episode almost turned into a, a mukbang because I made um, a veggie chicken Thai curry with quinoa. A bitch has never had quinoa a day in her life. If you know me, you know that I'm addicted to rice and I had quinoa. And baby, quinoa is that girl. She's that bitch. It was so good. Um, and I've been on this process now that I've made up my mind that I'm going to lose the weight. I want the healing on the inside to match who I am on the outside. And I'm going, I have goals for myself. This has been so hard. I have goals for myself. And today was my first weigh-in after like a week and a half. And I've lost six pounds. And I don't know why I just said that. I want to cry. I've lost six pounds. Why am I crying? I'm so happy I lost six pounds. I... It's obvious, it's evident, the emotions that are attached with my weight. And I'm crying because I'm so proud of myself. I wish the child that I used to be could see who I'm I'm about to become. Because I owe it to him to live the best life possible. I owe it to him to find peace. I owe it to him to find a better state of mind and to heal my mind, body, and soul. I owe it to him. And today, I was so nervous. I was so scared for my first weigh-in. Obviously, like the first few weeks or a month will be like mainly like water weight, but weighing myself losing six pounds i literally started crying on the scale girl she was butt naked another thing i just have to say this is that um the last few months processing these emotions and talking about about my weight i have uncovered this new sense of body positivity that is so strange to me it's so foreign to me. I didn't know how much I hated the way I looked and hated my body until recently. And I've been okay in my skin. I know this is like really random and TMI. But even seeing myself naked in a mirror is not a traumatizing, agonizing experience anymore. And it's been so... I can breathe now. I can finally breathe. I can finally look at myself and say, I love who I'm becoming. Girl, she's been naked a lot at her house. She's living, her <laughs> she living alone. Girl, she's been naked here and there. Girl, she got all the windows closed, just walking around butt naked, just loving herself, girl. It's just a crazy feeling. Girl, she's been post. Girl, let me just say, again, the body positivity and me posting different pictures obviously like showing more skin or whatever um the other day i was me and my friend linda had a pool day and we were having cocktails and it was the first time ever that i was able to go in public without a shirt that to me is that to me is impossible it's a major girl it was just and i know that i'm not where i want to be just yet 
but I'm going to get there. And along the way, I'm going to ride this surge of body positivity because I love my big or small, thin or fat. I love myself and I'm choosing to love myself. I should be naked a lot, girl. I don't know what's going on. Um, I It's just, I don't even know how to end this podcast other than to say, if you can take anything away from this episode, girl, write this down, take some notes. It's knowing that in your life and in the people that you have come across and in the people that you will come across, know uh, that hurt people will hurt people, damage people, damage people. And I was talking to one of my friends, Denise, and she had the answer that I had been looking for. And I know that that conversation was from God um, because she said something and I don't think she realizes how mind-blowing and mind-boggling it was for me. Because I you know, was having that conversation with her and I said, you know, hurt people, I realize now that hurt people hurt people and I have to realize that those that hurt me were hurt once themselves and damaged people damaged people and those that damaged me and tried to damage me were also damaged themselves. And she finished the equation by saying, Abraham, you need to understand that healed people heal people. And that has been such a aha moment in my life as I navigate conversations of forgiveness, conversations of continuing to heal, um, diving into soul searching, diving into meditation, into prayer. Um, I realized that for the first time in my, in a, in a long time, if ever, for the first time ever, I feel complete. Um, oh, what I was going to say is that I've been posting a little bit more like risque pictures, you know, semi shirtless in her underwear, blah, blah, blah. Girl, my DMs, bro. All of a sudden, everybody likes the fat bitches. All of a sudden, because you're confident. Now you're in my DMs, girl. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not. But um, but yeah, that's the episode, girl. Um, it's not about when you heal. It's a matter that you do heal. And it's it's never too late for that. It's never too late to come to terms with past traumas I think that the unfortunate event would be to live your life and never heal from them or never address them never face them head on and sometimes when you do feel like your world is crumbling and none of it makes sense understand that in some way shape or form all of that all of the hurt that we go through in life all of the all of the anguish that some of us live through all of that is part of the process and I think it's kind of jacked up to say that but I realize that now I wouldn't change anything of what I went through I wouldn't change it any of it because I realize that it's made me who I am it's brought me to where I am now and it will be the fuel for where I'm going tomorrow and I love the person that I'm becoming and you guys will see more posts about 
healing and meditation and all of that good stuff. Follow me on Instagram if you're not following me. Um, but yeah, that was the episode. I don't know what else to say other than if you're listening to this. I hope that you find healing. And I say that also because I didn't know that I needed to be healed until I was healed. You don't know that you need to grow from something until you grow from it. And I hope that whatever you're going through, whatever your dilemmas in life are, whether it's work, whether it's a relationship, whether it's friends, whether it's family, I hope that you know that the creator that is inside of you, that the universe that is that is inside of you is greater than anything they're going through right now and that you yourself are enough, that you yourself are enough to live another day, to love yourself. Um, and if I can share any affirmations with you guys to end the episode, I share with you that you have purpose. You are beautiful. Your life has meaning. You will heal. You are healed. And that you are enough. You yourself right now listening. You are enough. And that is all for the episode, you guys. I will catch you on the flip side again. Not the episode that you guys expected, nor did I. But thank you from the bottom of my heart for just listening. For just being there, driving home, cooking for your badass kids. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you guys have a great one. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you.